Welcome to the Sunday session on NRL.com. We've just seen the end of a wild and crazy round 18 of the NRL Telstra Premiership. My name is Chris Kennedy. Kenny Scott is here as always. Kenny, thank you for being with us. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, what a wonderful round of football we've had. Let's get stuck into it. No shortage of talking points. Before we get stuck into the games, though, I did have a chat with Cowboys forward Mitch Dunn uh, a little bit earlier today, who was nice enough to join us. So we'll take a quick listen to that uh, before we get stuck in. Well, Mitch Dunn, thank you for joining us on the NRL.com Sunday session. Very much uh, appreciated. Always tough, I know, after a loss on the weekend. How have you pulled up? Yeah, not too bad. Um, yeah, a bit disappointing. I think um, on a positive, we probably made some some steps forward from where we've been at um, recently, but I'm um, still probably pretty disappointing. Just some some periods there in the weekend where we just fell away, and um, you can't you can't do that in this comp, not with the other momentum swings. Yeah, it's obviously a high quality, you know, Roosters team. I know they're sort of missing a few through injury, but you look at the class in that lineup, it was always going to be a very tall order. And I mean, you talk about positives, I thought probably 60, 65 minutes, you guys are really toe to toe with them. It was a really uh, good contest, I thought, for, for most of the game. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think um, there's a 10 minute period there before half time. They scored, um, I think, two or three tries and then. Um, and then uh, 10 minutes towards the end of the game there. So um, where they, they, they got a late couple of tries and, and sort of sealed the win for them. And that was sort of our two periods where we just we just fell away, probably just took a few easy options and, and missed some opportunities. And um, they got us in the end being a lot more patient. I mean, it's the, you know, the oldest cliche in rugby league, you got to play for 80 minutes. But the, the fact that it was in particular the back ends of both halves, I don't know how the energy levels were, but has that sort of been spoken about, just sort of sticking that intensity the whole way through each 40-minute period? Yeah, definitely. We know it's something that um, has let us down recently and um, we're trying to work on it. I think it's up to sort of us as in individuals to kind of look at what you're doing in that period and, and, and work on what you need to work on. Can you talk to us a little bit about uh, the hammer? Because I can tell you, like, neutral fans across the game just absolutely love seeing this fella, especially in open space. He just – he moves so easy. He glides across the ground. He's super quick, and he's just got those phenomenal footballing instincts. It must be – you must just go to training every week and just shake your head at what he's able to do. Yeah, no, he was um, he was unreal on the weekend. Um, he's a pretty quiet lad and um, just goes about his business. But I thought um, – like he played probably the biggest game he's ever played on Wednesday night, playing Origin, debuting in Origin. And um, to then back up and, and sort of do what he did at fullback, and he hasn't played fullback um, for us this year, to come out and do that, I thought just, yeah, speaks a lot about him and how he is as a professional. And he's, he's still only, only 19 years old, so um, he's got a, a long way ahead of him, I think. But, um, yeah, he's awesome to watch. Yeah, has he was he through the week? I know people. I've heard a few people say that he's a quite young fellow. I think a lot of neutral pundits thought he might cop a bit of a bath from Turbo. We've seen what Turbo's been able to do in the Origin series to date. But you know, not only was he able to score a try in his Origin debut and come away with a win, but he didn't get found out in defence either. He must have been pretty pumped after that one. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it was a pretty big job, like to go in after the first two games and sort of had that weight on your shoulders and then be debuting at Origin at 19, um, yeah, I thought he did an awesome job. I think speed definitely helps. It, it makes a massive difference out there. And um, I thought Val probably Val was probably a calming influence for him there as well. So um, they probably um, suited each other. And, um, yeah, it worked, worked out pretty well. How's it been without Val? Obviously, you never want to lose you know, any player, let alone one of your, your marquee players. Sounds like it's not too serious. Hopefully, just a few weeks with that sort of shoulder that he landed on uh, in Origin. But I guess having Hammer go back there, it's um, you know a pretty handy backup. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think like any change 
to your spine can be very disruptive, but I think um, credit to Hammer and what he came in and did, and hopefully he can do that for us for the next couple of weeks um, while Val looks after that shoulder. But, um, yeah, like missing Val, he's, he's played 130 or 140-odd games at NRL. He's won, won a comp, so missing his experiences is still massive, yeah. How do you look at these next few weeks? Just looking at the ladder now, it's still obviously is, you know, would have been good to get the two points on the weekend, but still just a win outside of the um, the, the top eight. You guys were in the, that eight through a, a period when you sort of uh, picked up um, through the, the middle part of the season, but still not too far out of it. So if you get a few wins, you, you're right in the mix. Yeah, I think so. Like, I think we don't, we can't really look at that because uh, I guess we, we might've got ourselves caught out thinking about that earlier on in the year. And we kind of, we just really need to focus on each each short of week um, and just trying to improve and get better at some things. And, and that's a massive thing for us at the moment. So not taking steps backwards, always kind of heading in the right direction and just fixing up parts so that we can capitalize on some of, some of these, um, some of these games and finish them off. Cause um, at the moment it's been, we've just been leaking way too many points and uh, yeah. What about how's uh, Todd Payton been around well, the group? I think we saw from, um, you know, we stint with the Warriors last year and then into this year, he's a really sort of, you know, he's a straight shooter. He's a pragmatic sort of a guy. He doesn't seem like someone who gets, you know, too stressed out or, or carried away. He sort of seems like he's pretty good at compartmentalising and, and getting on to the, the next task. Yeah, definitely. He's uh, very, very honest. And um, I guess he's put he's put staff around him with Dean Young and, and Steve Georgialis. Um that compliment him and, and let them do their job and, and they they um they do their part and it all kind of works really well together and um, they're all honest they all give really good feedback and um, they've been very very helpful I guess this year and, and and kind of changing changing this squad and how we play and um, I guess that's what we're still trying to do now we're just still trying to get some fundamental things right and create some habits that stick with us so that's what we're sort of really focusing on at the moment. And just personally, your own season to date, I think you've you've only missed a couple games all year. You've started almost every game in the uh, the second row, been reasonably consistent. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I missed a couple there, just suspensions and, and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I guess it's been um, a bit of a different year from last year. But um, it, it's been good to play, I guess, week in, week out, first grade, and um, just trying to build each week and, and try and improve. Do you, I mean, you talk about your, you know, your play style. I think we saw from right from the time you came into first grade, you know, a guy who's, you know, able to get offloads away, a little bit of ball playing as well on the edge, sort of a, you know, fairly tall for a, a second row. You're sort of looking to, you know, you've got a few real steady sort of guys like Shane Wright and Tom Gilbert you know, around the team. Are you sort of looking to add a little bit of, you know, X factor when you get the chance? Yeah, definitely. If I'm, if I'm honest to myself, I probably haven't got on as much as sort of what I've wanted to and, and done what I wanted to, I've probably been a bit off the mark with it. And um, I would like to bring that sort of edge to our team. Um, but I think before I can focus on that part of my game, I've got to do some other things better. And, and um, I guess that's what I've been trying to work on at the moment. Probably put that in the back pocket a bit. Um, so it is something that I want to be good at and want to bring to our team though. What are those fundamentals? I mean, for people who sort of just see, you know, players running around on the field and don't necessarily understand the structure of it, I guess there's a lot of work in terms of, you know, pressuring opposition halves, defending your own halves, you know, sliding on an edge, those sort of, you know, little one percenters, you know, kick pressures, that sort of thing. Yeah, it is a pretty simple game. Like much doesn't change as you get older. It's just so still those things about 
your line speed and stepping in, stepping, stepping into contact and, and trying to win as many tackles as you can. And um, I guess just those things and, and what back rowers need to be doing, they need to be really good at supporting and, and running lines and um, creating opportunities for, for people outside them by doing that. And um, yeah, so, and then I guess for me as well, probably physically trying to be in a game for 80 minutes is something that I found hard, like without the game sort of, it's a, it's a pretty quick game at the moment. It's quick in periods and just trying to be moving well for 80 minutes and not and not um, having those lapses where you, you switch off, where you, you don't push up, where you don't move or, yeah, you, you sort of drop off. So just trying to think, trying to work through 80 minutes of, of being good at those little things. Big week coming up for you guys. I think it's another home game next weekend, but against a, a team that seems to be putting 40 on pretty much everyone every week. So you know, under no illusions about the size of the challenge awaiting you over the next week. Yeah, definitely. I think um, I think we we probably probably similar to Hatfers and the Roosters, a very very good team. They're, very, they're a top four team, um, Melbourne. There, I think they're on top of the ladder, and they're they're doing a lot right. And um, we're going to have to put in a really good performance for four 80 minutes. We can't we can't be switching off for periods because they just jump at those opportunities. And um, so it is going to be a massive test this week. Yeah, definitely. Well, Mitch, uh, massive uh, thank you for dialing in, joining us on the NRL.com Sunday session, taking a slice out of your uh, Sunday. It's certainly appreciated and uh, good luck for the, uh, the week ahead and all the best for the storm. Thanks, mate. Appreciate that. So that was Mitch Dunn from the Cowboys. Our thanks once again to uh, Mitch and the club for uh, helping us out on a Sunday session. Um, Kenny, let's talk some footy because we've just seen the end of a pretty wacky game between the Rabbitohs and the Bulldogs. No shortage of, um, you know, feistiness and spirit between these two clubs over the years. Some famous, uh, you know, Good Friday uh, clashes, you know, no stranger to sin bins in these sort of contests. And it was a sin bin that, highlighted this one there was plenty going on in the game but let's talk about Lachlan Lewis to start with what was doing I love your it sounds like you're asking me like I have the faintest idea what possibly could have happened because I mean this is classic go right back to what's the classic one um Hindy and Michael Ennis where everyone asks Hindy mate what did what did Ennis say to you to make you swing wild ones everyone's going to be asking Lockie Lewis that same thing for the rest of his life, I suppose, because it did Cody Walker even, it I could, didn't even look like his lips moved. Like I, I thought that I'd assumed that he'd said something and Lachlan Lewis has, has not accepted it and crashed tackled him walking into the tunnel. But I don't even think that's what happened. I've got no idea. It was so weird. And I mean, they were walking off and it looked like Cody Walker said something. He was in front of him um, and they were just sort of strolling off and he might've said something else. And from nowhere, Lewis just grabs him and flings him to the ground. Um, I mean, Cody Walker is my answer to the question. I get asked a lot by non-league people or or non sort of industry people when they say like who, which player it seems like a real grub, but is actually a great bloke. And, you know, my old answer used to be like Josh Reynolds and now it's Cody Walker, who's just a fantastic fella off the field, but really gets that white line fever and gets under opponent's <laughs> skin. Wonderful guy, but um, yeah, rival fans of rival clubs just love to hate him, but um, it, it must've been something good. I'd pay actual, literally pay money to, to find out what Cody Walker said to trigger him. Cause I mean, he seems like a pretty placid bloke, Lockie Lewis, but he's got the odd little sort of brain snap in him where, I mean, remember when he first came into first grade and he's having those huge running battles with Sam Burgess and, and knocked him down a few times. He's got some feistiness to him. It must've been something like, because let, let's consider the position where this, this, this incident occurred when the Bulldogs against all odds are two points in front of, you know, premiership contenders, South Sydney, 
going into halftime. They've just secured a two-point lead at halftime. There's the Bulldogs, the team coming last, almost guaranteed locks for the wooden spoon. And out of nowhere, he basically, like, at the time, it seemed like he'd just thrown the game away. Like, going into the second half, a man down basically consigned the Bulldogs to a loss. It didn't quite pan out that way, although they did lose. But um, something epic must have gone down in that split. That's that moment for him to take such drastic action. And that's... It's it's gonna. I need to find the answer to this. It's gonna be my work it out. I felt I felt so bad for Trent Barrett because the cameras on the the coach's box. You could see him, and he just had like that look of hope and optimism on his face. Like we're up at half time, and then he sees the the ref's hands go up for the sin bit, and just the hope just draining from his face. I felt so bad for him. But I mean, the rest of the game, we could talk about this one game all night. It was absolutely wild. The dogs. You know, huge outsiders needed everything to go right. Then they can complete, I think, three of their first nine sets. You know, Ockenbaugh's first game of the year, he drops a couple of balls. Josh Jackson drops drops one, inviting South to attack over and over and over again. I think South scored two, and then they missed one and bombed another one. Um, and then Dogs somehow go to the break um, up by two points, then got it back to sort of level pegging and, and came back a couple of times in the second half as South threatened to run away with it. It was just a, a wild game. Yeah, you're right. It, it was amazing. Definitely the game I think anyone expected. I was like settled in for, okay, it's late on Sunday night. This is the last game of the round. Should be over by halftime. Um, so no one's going to really have to pay too much attention to it. And it was just the, the complete opposite. It was, you know, it was down to the wire. The, the result wasn't um, wasn't secured until, you know, the last couple of minutes, I think. It was really exciting stuff. And I'm still trying to work out whether it was, did the Bulldogs play really well? And I don't think that's the answer because, as you said, their first half was pretty poor. Like, Jaden Ockerball had a really horrible first half of the game. Um, did Souths play really badly? I think at, in patches they did, but maybe it's just a case of both teams played good and bad, you know, and that's why it was a relatively close game, I suppose. It, 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 it was a really odd one. I'd be stunned if Wayne Bennett was ecstatic with uh, with how that game panned out. But we do have to sort of acknowledge that, you know, South, they rested Latrell Mitchell uh, on game day. They lost Campbell Graham to an HIA real early, Liam Knight to an HIA not long after that. And Alex Johnston went off with a hamstring strain um, with already two tries under his belt because obviously that's just what he does this year. Um, but, yeah, they did have some, um, some duress there, South, um, and, and were good enough to win. So I suppose that's the, the main you know, the most encouraging thing for uh, for South fans. Before we move on, I just want to talk about the very last try because um, the game was still in the balance. If Bulldogs had scored next, it was, you know, game back on. But um, South made that break down the left and Braden Burns passed it back on the inside. And uh, Jacob Host was there waiting for it, thinking he's about to get his second try. Then from nowhere, Mark Nichols, the lumbering prop <laughs> forward, just gallops, gallops down and snatches the ball pretty much from Host's grasp and, and plows over in the corner for I think it was his fourth career trial or something just remarkable scenes yeah and he was moving pretty fast right like the prop <laughs> forward he was going at lightning speed just because I think he, the opportunity presented itself and he, he certainly took it yeah wacky wacky game and anyway, we do have to move on I know you want to talk about this one uh, yeah. 42 to 24 West Tigers winners over the Broncos other than Tigers running away with it a lot in the last kind of 10 to 15 minutes this sort of reminded me of the Broncos Sharks game where it's two teams that aren't you know, necessarily at the, the right end of the ladder, but a lot of desperation and just kind of made it into a, a really entertaining, but there was like three, four, five lead changes or something in this game. It was actually, um, you know, for the, the second week or, you know, with the bye week, but the second game running for Brisbane, they've been involved in a really entertaining game. 
I think that's 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 probably how you would um define it. It was entertaining, like um a bit of a try fest, I suppose you'd say. I don't know if you'd say it's a bit of touch football. Defense definitely wasn't wasn't one of the key factors for either team because Defense you know optional, that, yeah. yeah, exactly. But that's not to say that there weren't some great like defensive moments in the game, but there was uh, you know a lot more tries. I, I just think I mean the difference between the two teams was probably Dane Laurie. I mean he because he there were so many moments in that game for the Tigers where he either saved the day um, through a defensive effort or, you know, basically scored 95% of a, of a try or two. Um, without him in the team, I think the Tigers probably would go on to lose that game. I, I, I thought, look, Brooks and Adam Dewey did really well in the halves. They sort of managed the game quite well. But it's that attacking spark and those sort of game-breaking moments that I reckon that I say the Tigers have do currently lack that Dane Laurie um, can bring. I thought he had a, he had a really good game. But... Um, yeah, it was exciting to watch. And I think, you know, I, I mean, a, a win over the Broncos doesn't mean your season's changed at all, but it does mean surprisingly that the Tigers, I think are two points out of the top eight, um, yeah. along with basically half the competition, but still the season's not done yet, which I, I find, um, yeah, hard to believe. It's just like, yeah, the top six, I think all won on the weekend and they're pulling away. So mainly manly upwards um but yeah dragons and sharks pretty much just just hanging in there dragons with a really tough draw and then outside that was it raiders knights titans tigers and cowboys all either level on eighth or, or a win behind eighth um so yeah massive log jam there um do you mentioned i mean probably i mean he's still you know learning his trade as a, a controlling half but five try assists today like it's i guess fans are probably remember when he got moved out of the halves to the centers and I think the Tigers won that week and, you know, most Zembai was quite good in that supporting role and Dewey still had some impact at center and everyone's like, oh, maybe Madge is a genius. And then obviously it hasn't really yeah. gone well since then, moves him back into the halves and all of a sudden, yeah, five try assists and the, the Tigers have a big win. So I'm guessing Adam Dewey stays at uh, number six for the rest of the year. Yeah, I think so. I always thought the biggest issue originally with having Dewey in the halves was that he seemed to dominate um, Luke Brooks uh, and, and, that meant that, uh, like, Dewey's got this massive boot on him, but it just meant that the Tigers' game plan boiled down to, you know, four tackles and then, like, the world's top, like, biggest bomb and hope. Um, and I think in this game, I don't know if Dewey did any kicking at all, really. Most of it went down to Brooks. I think um, Dan Laurie had a couple at the back as well. And I think that's probably where they've, they've, they've struck the right balance there because his running and passing game is excellent, um, whereas, you know, giving most of the, the controlling playmaking duties over to, to Brooks, he seemed to work for this game. Yeah, just looking at the stats, Brooks almost 500 kick metres and Dewey 56 kick metres. So prepared to yeah. say you're, you're correct, Luke Brooks was the, the dominant kicker. But I'm, I almost wonder whether he is someone who doesn't necessarily suit the dominant half role. And potentially, I know he's the number seven and Dewey's the number six. And you think of the number seven as the, the game controlling general and the six as like the big running guy who adds a bit of the, the finesse. But I mean, maybe Brooksy is someone who can kind of get the team around and do the kicking, but needs that dominant voice alongside him to. To, to provide the big plays well i mean like i guess time will tell right if they can come up with a win i think they've got manly next week which is a massive massive test for them so i guess that'll be um yeah the results will be in after that one anyway they are still alive the west tigers are a huge result for them the first game of the sunday uh triple feast of footy warriors up against the panthers i'm not sure what to make of this one i just i just feel bad for the warriors like that it just absolute disaster from the outset you know Torhu harris back early from um a shoulder injury and then it sounds like he's done his acl you know season over and might miss the start of next year's shocking news he's been their best player all year along with roger two of us and then two of us 
you know, knocked out uh, not too long after that, um, finished up with, you know, four injured and, and no one on the bench the whole um, rest of the game with a couple more injuries. Pretty amazing, really, that they, um, they, they kept the game close um, for the 80 minutes. Yeah, and I think that's probably what they'll take out of it. You know, they lost their you know, two of their biggest players. I mean, two of us check their best player. Um, pretty early on, they were, you know, they were fatigued right throughout, had no reserves left, and they're playing Panthers, who are red-hot premiership favourites. Yeah, they're also missing their star halves combo, but um, the fact that they held them to 14 points, um, the 14-point difference, when if they, you know, if this had been another blowout scoreline, I don't think anybody would have really, like, looked twice at it. They, they did really well. There were some good signs for them as well. I thought Matt Lodge had his best game, I don't know, in, in a couple of years probably. Like he was um, really going, like he great runs, also some good offloads. He pushed passes a couple of times, but I guess he'll just learn to, to, to sort of refine his pass selection. But I thought he was really, really strong. Uh, Reese Walsh, of course, he's going great. And he, I thought he was really strong in this game as well. And unfortunately for Warriors fans, I thought Chad Townsend had a great game. And I say unfortunately because he's not going to be there. Like he's only there for a handful of games the rest of this year, the rest of the year. So him doing good now and not getting a win doesn't really achieve anything. Um, which is a shame, but um, I think thought he was going pretty well as well. Yeah, he had some nice touches, Chad. There were probably some attacking chances where I thought he probably missed opportunities and, and could have done a fair bit better. But he's also, you know, I think it's his second game back at the club, having not been there since 2014, had not had a, a pre-season or, or many training sessions there. So tough to be too critical on him. Um, Lodge was immense. I know he's obviously a polarising figure. We all know his, his history. A lot of people thought he shouldn't have been allowed back in the game. I mean, that's all... You know, have your opinions, but the fact is he is in the game and the fact is he had a terrific, um, you know, he played the full 80 minutes. He had to play the full 80 minutes, didn't get a chance for rest with with no bench. I think 10 busts and eight offloads um, in the match. He certainly did his best um, to spark something. Um, Penrith, I mean, you talk about the halves not being there. I thought, um, yeah, the cohesion just it really suffers when Cleary and Luai were out. Um, Tyron May, I mean, he had some pretty nice touches, to be fair. I still have huge question marks over his ability to play in the seven and, and control a game, but he had some nice passes to set up tries and, and Burton sort of brought the long boot to the table. And I guess, yeah. you know, it's made easy for them. They did enough to win. I find it um, surprising the persistence of Tyrone May at, at seven in the absence of, of Cleary mm. um, or Luai, because he's, he's not terrible, um, but he's not, you can tell he's not comfortable and that's not really his natural position. I just, I'm surprised they haven't sort of tried to, find another option. I'm sure they've got, you know, they've got a pretty sweet um, range of, of backs, both in first and second grade um, at Penrith. I thought there'd be other options for them to explore, but I mean, they're sticking with, with May and they're, they're still getting wins. So that's, I mean, I guess it's paying off. Um, but yeah, I mean, Penrith just keep rolling on. Um, you know, it, it, I guess it shows that they're not, it's not just the, the Nathan Cleary show. Like the rest of the team is also very good and they can string a win together uh, without, without um, those guys pulling the strings. So um, yeah, they keep they keep rolling on. Yeah, you're, I'm I'm sort of surprised. I mean, May's a good player. He's a he's a first grader. I'd sort of class him more as a utility forward than a genuine playmaker. There's not. I mean, they've got you know Jamin Salmon in the squad who went from Sharks to Eels to to Panthers. He's had a, a number of wins in reserve grade this year. I think Burton should probably be the the seven, regardless of whether May is the partner or not. But um, yeah, sounds like Luai and Cleary aren't too far from returning. So Panthers still cruising towards a top two finish. The other team cruising towards a top two, if not a top one finish, is the Storm. Um, Saturday night, 48 points to four winners over the Knights. And I can't say I really um, enjoyed this game as much as I enjoyed 
you know, the closer ones on Sunday, just because it's becoming pretty predictable with the storm, which is no, you know, I mean, they can only, it's their job to play as well as they can. But unfortunately for most of their games at the moment, that's a lot better than what anyone else is capable of. So um, yeah, Knights, I think will be very unhappy with how they played, but it was a pretty much a no contest from the outset. Yeah. So, you know, philosophical question, how do you stop a red hot rampaging Melbourne storm? Answer, you can't. They are unstoppable. They're just That's the so worst good. riddle I've ever heard, Kenny. <laughs> I said it was a philosophical question. <laughs> I didn't say it was a riddle. <laughs> Clear your mind. Um, but no, they're just they're just so good. They don't even have their first choice fullback on on the field, and their backup oh, fullbacks like tear, yeah, just tearing it up. It's 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 unfair. Um, and that's just the way it is. Mel, uh, Newcastle, I did. No one would have given them a chance to win this game. I thought they were. No, in the fight for like, I don't know, 15 to 20 minutes, but you know, they lost Pierce before kickoff. They lose Clemmer, they lose Ponga. And they're against Melbourne. Like really what was going to happen? And that's, that's sort of how it went. Yeah, Pierce and, and also Daniel Sofiti ruled out from the original team list. And then, yeah, Clemmer and Ponga, both HIAs pretty early on. It was, you know, you do it tough against most teams. I know that sort of, um, you know, difficulty, let alone a, a storm team that, you know, yes, missing players, but not really under injury duress during the game. Um, I don't really know where else to take this one. I mean, the Storm guys all played really well. Newcastle will be disappointed. Storm keep rolling on. They're probably going to finish first. I mean, what, what else do you say about yeah. this one, really? Yeah, that's just it. Melbourne, Melbourne going to Melbourne. <laughs> Second Saturday game, the Raiders 34-18 winners over the Sharks. Another game I sort of found um, pretty entertaining, just without necessarily being the highest caliber football throughout but um nice and tense um a, a very relieving win for uh for the raiders who obviously had a, a tough time of it this year and just absolutely love seeing um young xavier savage running amok at the back yeah didn't he he had like what what um you could say was an announcement game where you know he's play, one of those games where people stand up and take notice and he's he's you know stamped his um, arrival on the big stage, but yeah, I really enjoyed this game. So I thought it was similar to the Broncos Tigers game earlier today, and that two teams, both pretty desperate, both at relatively similar skill levels, um, having a, a pretty good good go at it. Um, I think the scoreline, also scoreline, thirty four eighteen, probably um, makes it seem like the Raiders were on top for most of it, but that's it was it was a seesawing affair. I thought it was um, good fun, but yeah, I think as you said, it was a relieving win for the Raiders because they've had some pretty tough times at the moment. Um, and I think they'll they'll probably enjoy that one in Canberra. Got to give credit to Corey Hadawir and who just was a man on a mission from the outset, just running amok on that that right edge, busting out a tackle, sling, thirteen tackle busts and seven offloads um, for the match. Throw in you know one hundred and fifty odd meters and a one on one steal and it saved a try as well. He's um, almost the best game I've seen him play in his career. He was uh, just a force of nature on that right edge. Yeah, I think he had a great game. I also really liked um, Xavier Savage. We said. Tom Starling, Josh, Josh Hodson. I thought Jordan Rapana, he had this look. I was talking about the look. People have a look in their eyes. He certainly, he definitely had it. That, that game, he's, he's got the angry eyes on in a good way. Um, and yeah, it paid off. They, they, um, they got away with a good win. Yeah, one of Rapana's best games of the year, I thought. Um, you mentioned Hodgson. I'm quite liking um, the strategy of getting Starling on a bit earlier and then Hodgson kind of goes into a bit of a roaming role. They lost... Um, Jack White in the second half, who picked up a rib injury, copped a, a stray boot accidentally in a, a tackle and uh, couldn't overcome it in the second half. So it sort of made sense for Hodgson to go into the halves for the last 20 minutes. But that first 20 of the second half was that period where 
Starling comes on, goes to hooker, and Hodgson just sort of roams around and, and does his thing. And I think that's probably the answer for, for Canberra going forward with their current setup, if everyone's fit, is Starling to come off the bench, play not 20 minutes, but, you know, 45 to 55 minutes, and then Hodgson sort of roams around. It just seems to add another dimension to their, uh, to their attack. Yeah, I'd agree. And we, we know that um, what to do with Josh, how to best use Josh Hodgson in that team had become a problem and probably a bit of a festering problem as well. And it's, it's good to see that it seems to have worked it out because he's a great player. Um, and, you know, it keeps that at that pipeline of uh, English talent alive, like seeing um, good players coming from the Super League and, and um, having great careers, I think, uh, you know, puts it in the minds of players over there. And I think the more, the more English people we can, more English players we can get in the game, I think the better for the game overall because uh, it will only strengthen the English test team. Oh, yeah, true. The World Cup potentially mm. at the end of the year or hopefully at the end of the yeah. year. It's also a good result just for the ladder with the Sharks and the Raiders now both on 16 points in 8th and ninth, uh, respectively. So keeps that sort of evenness throughout the uh, the middle part of the ladder going. Um, the earlier game on Saturday was the Cowboys and the Roosters. Um, already spoken to uh, to Mitch Dunn, obviously a bit disappointed about uh, Cowboys fading out the back end of both halves in this one. But a game I, I enjoyed as a, a neutral, um, you know, I was impressed by the Cowboys to, to start so strongly. Um, discussed with with Mitch Dunn just how impressive it was seeing Hamaso Tabuai Fido the hammer running into to space, which was, you know, he's sort of gone from a fantastic origin debut scoring a try into a wonderful game at fullback deputy for uh, Val Holmes. Let's talk about the Roosters for a bit because, I mean, we know they've lost a lot of players uh, to injury this year as well. They haven't necessarily dealt with it as well as some of the uh, the other teams, but um, a relieving win for them. Yeah, I, I thought um, this probably, yeah, the, the Cowboys have some work to do because they faded away from a, a, a you know, a 12 point lead, but uh, the Roosters, they, they do what they do really well, which is hang in, hang in there. It doesn't matter um, who's injured or who's playing. They'll always hang in there. And eventually they'll usually probably get the win as well, which is which is what happened here. I thought, um, I really like Joey Mano. I know he was, beginning of the game, I think he was showed up a couple of times, but I, I'm, I think he absolved himself of, of, uh, of that um, going through. And Sam Walker was pretty good as well, bouncing around like he's, you know, absorbing hits and jumping right up like a, like a, uh, a sprightly meerkat. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was a good win for them. Yeah, you're right. I think uh, Joey Mano, you're right, caught out defensively a little bit at the start. Um, had probably a tough first 20, 25 minutes of the game, but uh, scored a try. I think it was right before half time, and then had a huge second half. Um, he's been immense pretty much every time Tedesco's been out. Um, there's probably quite a few clubs in the NRL where he would be the starting fullback if he uh, if he went there. A fantastic player and an absolute luxury for the Roosters and. I mean, running out of superlatives for, for Sam Walker, just the, the hits that he cops, the, the punishment that he cops, the target that he's on his back every week. He's, you know, 60 kilos ringing wet and he just keeps bouncing up. And then, you know, what he score a try, set up a couple, kick some goals, you know, bounced out of tackles. So just, yeah, phenomenal kid. Yeah, and I think and we've been saying that the whole year and he hasn't proven anybody, um, hasn't proven anybody wrong yet. He's just keeps, um, yeah, just keeps having great games. Uh, heading back uh, before that one was uh, the Manly game, actually, is all the way back on uh, Friday evening, 32 points to 18 winners over the Dragons. I think we probably all thought Manly should win this game, just given the disruption the Dragons have had. Um, you know, Paul Vaughan sacked and a bunch of players suspended after the um, the post-Warriors celebration. Um you know, got a feel for players like, you know, Ben Hunt and Tarek Sims, you know, backing up after Origin 
done nothing wrong and then got to sort of come into an understrength team. But um, Manly without DC and, and Turbo both rested after Origin, um, you know, did what they needed to do. Yeah, I think like, yeah, obviously the Dragons are missing a host of their barbecue strike squad, but Manly were missing DCE, Turbo, and Jake, Jake Javoyevic is also still, mm. still out injured, which is easily their three best and um, most influential yeah. players. So it's not like it was a full-strength Manly team, but this was... Like watching this game, I, I got really angry on behalf of Ben Hunt because it seemed to yeah. me like he was the only one really like really trying, really caring and, and making a positive impact on the game because, yeah, they were ahead at 14-12 at halftime, I think it was, they were ahead, which was great and surprising. And that second half, it's like they just that they only had 40 minutes in them, but Ben Hunt kept competing for everything throughout the whole game. The, uh, the try off the scrum win... A kick that uh, the kick off the scrum win for a try that he set up was just, you know, marvelous. That that sort of stuff. But he just, you know, he was having he was having a dig the whole game, and it just looked like the rest of the team weren't at, weren't at his level. And I really I, I got angry on his behalf because I, I thought he um, after his massive Origin effort as well, I just thought he deserved better than that. Yeah, he was immense in Origin three, and I mean, I think pretty clearly should have been there um, in the seventeen from uh, from game one in hindsight. But yeah, it was a tough night for him. Not a lot really went right in terms of what he was trying, but he certainly never stopped trying. Um, for Manly though, Kieran Four and that pass for Brad Parker's try. I don't know how many times I watched that already, but that was that was magic. Yeah, you sort of forget. Well, I forget anyway that Kieran Four and. Um, He's, he's also was at some stage the world's best playmaker and he's still got that sort of stuff in him. He's just you know, obviously just a lot older and his game's changed a little bit. But when those, those things come out, you remember, that's right, Kieran Foran is excellent. And when he's got the time and the space, um, he can still lay, lay those sort of things on. It was great. And uh, Hamali Olakowatu is having a, a real, you know, huge season, breakout season. He was a monster again, but um, can't move on without talking about Josh Schuster, who's missed a you know, month or a bit over a month with a calf strain. You wouldn't know it coming back. I'm not even sure what position I'd say he was playing, listed to come on, uh, start at, at halfback. But yeah, doing some halves, doing some edge, just you know, setting stuff up. He's um, he's a special kid. Well, when you want to talk about slick, slick, sneaky passes, I think Josh Schuster probably probably came neck and neck with with uh, Kieran Foran in terms of his his no look pass um, down the side there. Yeah. And then of course he got a little bit cocky and did a really a, another no look pass right over the sideline <laughs> yeah. after that. But we can forget that. But yeah, he's he's one of these players that sort of come out of nowhere and doesn't really doesn't fit the specifics of any one position, but just you know pops up wherever you put him and and has you know has great effect on the game. It was fun. Yeah, people love their comparisons. I've heard he's like a, you know, Wade Graham comes through as a five-eighth and then gets a bit too big and has to go as a, a ball-playing back rower. I mean, he's it's probably one of the closer comparisons, but yeah, I don't know if there's a, a perfect one. He's just a, a pretty unique player who's um, yeah got the skill set of a, a six and the physicality of a, you know, an edge forward, and um, he's really getting it done for his team at the moment. Yeah, I think he's um yeah. I mean, it all depends on how big he gets, right, as to where he ends up. But I guess we'll see. <laughs> I mean, he's been in the system for a long time, scouted, as we know, by Bob Fulton. Um, yeah, he's had big raps on him. He's been through the uh, the Blues junior systems. I think Freddie was planning on picking him as 18th man for Origin 1 until he did his uh, calf. So, yeah, big future probably uh, in the uh, the rep scene as well as the club scene for uh, Josh Schuster. Only one game left to talk about. The Titans and the Eels kicked us off on Friday evening on, uh, on the Gold Coast. Um, Eels, absolutely dominant early um, I think Titans might have almost won the second half I think eight points to six so Eels uh, drifted out of it um, a little bit but um, yeah a huge start and, and made hay while Kevin Proctor was in the sin bin 
Yeah, I think that was it. All what was it three tries in the space of ten minutes when Proctor was off, um, and then they kind of twenty nil at half time. They kind of just stopped playing after that. Like it was the second half was a, a bit of a dud half, if you ask me. Like yeah, Parramatta didn't really seem to be in it. This at least not the way they were in the first half. And the Titans, oh, like I don't know. I was thinking about this after this game. Do, are the Titans the biggest disappointment of this season? I'm really surprised that they're they're just struggling or sputtering the way that they are. I mean, I, I'd have to say Raiders are the biggest disappointments of the season, but yeah, Titans certainly. I mean, they they weren't in the finals last year. It was more just they recruited, you know, for Feeder and Fasor Malawi and had this great forward pack. And, you know, then they won some early games and were in the top eight for a while. And everyone's like, wow, this is going to be the Titans year. And since then, they've really sort of regressed a bit. So, yeah, very disappointing from that um, sense. I wouldn't say they've had as much of a disappointment as a, a couple of other teams um, this year, but certainly flattering to deceive somewhat. Oh, that's a firm no from you. That's fine. <laughs> well, they're, um, to they're me, up there, they're... <laughs> but yeah, not, not the biggest. Uh, yeah, maybe it's just because I, I love, you know, you love the sort of the fairy tale of the, the, the battling team breaking through to the finals. And I thought the mm. Titans were going to be that team this year. And, you know, they may still get there, but if they do get there, I don't think it's going to be in any kind of significant way, um, which is a shame. And yeah, it's, they, yeah, that's, that's sort of where it is. A few things I did enjoy about this game. One of them was Clint Gutherson's, uh, instant like grubber on the right edge for Hayes Dunster to score. I think we've almost forgotten about just how freakish Hayes Dunster's pick up and score was just because of how great Gutho's kick was. But that was a, a sensational try when the Eels were were running hot. And um, Reed Marnie back from injury missed um, a, a bunch of time with um, that shoulder injury he picked up in uh, in round 13. He was absolutely sensational as well, as was Ryan Madison, who's probably taken a bit of a, a backseat to Isaiah Papali'i in recent weeks, but I'm um, just reminding us all what he's capable of as well. So a couple of Huge performances from the Eels there. Yeah, good shout. I think, um, yeah, Reed Marnie had a great uh, a great game. But really, I, he was, I mean, he was on his way to the Origin squad right before he got injured. I mean, I know he was released from the Origin team and then got injured, but I'm pretty sure the way things went in that series, he would have been called into the starting squad at some time. Um, so it's good to see him have a good game on his return back. Yeah, well, I mean, when Harry Grant got injured after game one, Reed Marnie would have been the hooker for game two because he was injured playing round 13 after he was released for Harry Grant in game one. That's when yeah. Carlick and Hunt got caught up. Obviously, you know, Hunt did a great job in, in game three, but I'm certain Reed would have been there for, for game two if he wasn't hurt. Um, Anyway, that is all eight games from round 18, a topsy-turvy round. Our thanks once again to the Cowboys and Mitch Dunn for uh, dialing in. And Kenny, thank you once again for being here. And cheers, everyone, for listening. Be back next week to wrap up round 19.